going to start this thing off with a deep breath. Join me if you'd like to relax for a second. In. And out. Man, I love breathing. All right. Let's do this. Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time watching or listening, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. Share it. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. Everything helps. So thanks, at the very least, for just being here. Today's guest you may know from his band The Guthries or maybe Matt Mays and El Torpedo. He has a new live album out now called From Burnside with Love. I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for a long time. And it did not disappoint. And I really enjoyed this one, so hopefully you do too. Please give it up for Matt Mays. You got me loud and clear. Gotcha. Finally, maybe just getting the hang of it. <laughs> Zoom thing. Been using it a lot. Uh, yeah. You know, I sometimes. You know, I don't <laughs> want it for interviews, but for like friends that just want to kind of hang, I'm just like, let's just get on the horn, man. You know. Right. It's just, so- uh, you know, I just, you know, sometimes I distract myself with my my big dumb face, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so i've actually not done just a friend hangout on zoom yet nice work yeah <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> <laughs> this is enough yeah all right so matt mays how are you uh i'm good man uh, i'm actually like well that's right there okay um i'm i'm good like today's like feels like it's 20 degrees and sunny out in toronto uh i've just uh it's just really helped with my mood a lot the weather's been great the uh, last few days and it's sort of warm and and uh like not even a chill in the air it's kind of got that ontario bombiness already just uh it's been great i'm sure there'll be another snowstorm before april but uh but it's been good i was up i got up this morning and went for a run at like about seven and then that ran a bunch of errands and fixed my fence and i'm just sort of like i feel like i'm kind of snapped back to life a bit today it's been great you say you're in toronto uh yeah yeah so yeah, how are things literally. oh they suck they suck <laughs> you know i mean you really you have to you know it's it's been learning curve to sort of you have to really kind of you know we are wings have been clipped so extensively that we've uh you know you really have to find solace and happiness within you know your small enclosure or you know um you, you know we can't go out anywhere can't visit you know my, my folks they live uh an hour away and you know i haven't hugged my mother in a year you know it's it's like uh 
very strange being in the sort of the heart of it. Um, but that being said, I always try to look at the positive end of things and it's, uh, it's been, uh, I feel like I'm a completely different person since I was a year ago. I've, I've really reflected a lot and, uh, um, really pushed my mind and my body pretty hard in the last year and, and try to take advantage of the weirdness and, and the, the different sort of, uh, scope on life, I guess. So it's, it's, you know, I think, you know, in a few years, hopefully when things are a little more back to normal, look back on it, like, you know, this is a, a bit of a, maybe a blessing in disguise in, in, in some ways, maybe selfishly. I mean, I know it's a lot of badness and, uh, you know, obviously it comes from something like a global pandemic, but again, like I say, I try to look on the bright side. Right. So when you say you pushed yourself, what kind of, what kind of things are you talking about? Um, well, things like, you know, uh, with, with my mind, um, I was going to see, uh, uh, therapist for, you know, a couple of years before lockdown and it was, became a weekly thing and some really a real comfort in my life. So I think myself and uh, a lot of people included sort of when they had to stop doing that, it's, you know, um, it's, it's, you really notice it. It's incredible. It's sort of like, you know, little things that you kind of work out every week, kind of build up and things. So I, I really tried to uh, um, sort of deal with those with exercise and, you know, meditation and um, uh just uh just a lot of reflection i guess but just but just being aware of it and and being uh trying to be present and not let it get ahead of me and um it's also hand in hand with exercise i feel like that's why i have to like i don't want to run in the mornings i hate it you know i but i do it i don't do it for my body i do it for my mind you know it's like uh my 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 janky ass knees hurt and it's like but when i don't do it i really notice so and they go really hand in hand. So uh, they're just, it's sort of, uh, you know, my friend Tyler Messick told me once, so, you know, healthy, a healthy body is a healthy mind. It sometimes works that way. And, and, um, and so, so, yeah, I think um, I've just, I, I've, I've been just trying to be really aware of it and not let it get a hold of me, you know, I'd go two months at a time without drinking anything. And then I'd sort of let go of that and then try to, you know, just be, you know slip that was a slippery slope and then just drinking too much wine every night and then it's like okay you know so really trying to learn my limits there too which is always an ongoing battle when you don't really have a job um, right but but all those little things i think like i said that sort of collectively um and i mean you got to go into detail in all of them but i think collectively um it's definitely made me a, a better person and and uh, living close quarters with people and, and realizing how annoying I can be and why <laughs> and really trying to work on those things as well, I guess. So what else do you do with your time? Like, I'm sure you're doing a lot of writing and shit like that. Yeah. This time last year, um, I just got up. This is when it, you know, exactly a year ago is when we were like, holy shit, this is like real. Yeah. You know, there was a day where it's like, this is, we heard about this like bug and, you know, in the wet market and then a few weeks later it's like in toronto and it's real and um i just retired to my garage every day with this makeshift little studio and i just started writing songs because i didn't know what else to do and i think it was an outlet for my anxiety and and i did a record called dog city and um i just started writing dog city almost exactly a year ago and i wrote you know 12 songs in about three weeks 
and then release them right away. And um, it was, you know, that was, I felt like a real accomplishment for me because it normally I, I, uh, it takes me about four years to get a record out and done. I, I, you know, I finished the record in a few months, but it takes me about three years to get the balls to put it out, you know, <laughs> and then start over. So Dog City was really, uh, it was, I was proud of that record because I had to just, I put it out and, and it really gave me an outlet. Um, and uh, when it was over, I was sort of like, oh, geez, what's going on? But um, other than that, I've just been writing songs a lot. And um, I work at a, there's a studio, luckily, that I've got keys to where it's safe for me to go and, and work every day. Not every day, but quite often. Um, and yeah, and that there's uh, also a lot of time that was uh, just blank where I had to make a decision how to use it. And uh, it... Um, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of tricky times. And I mean, I think just in the last few months, like January, February, it was pretty dark because we were locked down here and it was just like cold and miserable and nothing to do. And I, you know, it was just, I wasn't really feeling inspired. So it was like, but I knew that I knew spring was coming and there's talk of vaccinations. And, and uh, so I think that's why today was so glorious because it was sunny and you know, friends of mine's parents are getting their vaccinations already. And it's, it's all, you know, starting to sort of feel a, a lot better. Yeah. The first sort of sense of normalcy starting to come with the, I noticed the same thing and a lot of people are kind of posting about it. It's the, uh, I think I saw somebody say, if you've ever doubted seasonal depression being real, just re- just take a look at how many people are posting about 10 degree weather. Yeah, 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 totally. 10 degrees, you know, and we'll be complaining about that in September, you know, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's so funny uh, how, how we do it. We'll, we'll be putting on like the warm sweater in like September and sweating. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, 100%. It's insane. Um, uh, I'm a big color guy. I love bright colors. And uh, I just I mean, I wear rose colored glasses on gray days. And it really it helps me. I really believe in, you know, you know, seasonal, anything sort of seasonal, um, you know, alongside with uh, any, any sort of uh, mood disorder. It, I think it's a definite uh, affiliation to a lot of, a lot of things. We associate color to always good, bright, awesome things, right? From the age of, you know, having young birthday parties and awesome balloons and, and, uh, and any grayness, usually maybe when we were kids, you know, everybody around us was kind of bummed out. And so, you know, it's just, we just associate color with great and gray with, you know, shittiness. And uh, so it's just like, like clockwork, everybody <laughs> got coffee today and everybody was so nice. Everywhere I went today, everybody's just like, oh, it's just so, you know, it's, uh, and it, it, and all the little trickle, uh, trickle down effects are all working full on, so now there's this, this big river of happiness in Toronto, which is not always the case here. So it's been great, man. That's good. Yeah, I remember like my first exposure to that theory was I'm trying to think if I was still in high school, but hearing that the color green sparks creativity and like a lot of artists, cool. I remember hearing artists tend to have their like their workroom be green walls and things like that. So I, I remember being exposed to that idea early on and always thinking like well, if you're going to write something maybe that's why a lot of people like to write in nature because just the green just straight up the color green triggers that something just, in your brain yeah i mean it's probably it's like other than like 
sky blue it's probably one of the only other real dominant colors that we've seen you know <laughs> maybe mm. goes way back um yeah i i i've sort of just i, I thought everybody was sort of uh, uh, it's the synesthesia it's like mm. when you relate colors to everything i have to sort of re- my mind sort of relates colors to everything so everybody's name has a color and, and uh, music you know chords and notes and it's really intricate in my brain um letters numbers everything has a color and uh so I, I think um, I think that's why when I don't see any, everything's all gray. It's I'm, I'm too dependent on my mind colors, and it's exhausting, and in turn sort of maybe adds to some depression. But uh, it's uh, it's a yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty pretty awesome thing. Uh, just like that's why I think like Harvey's is orange because it makes people hungry. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I remember hearing like tie colors too. Something about like a red or a purple tie displays i've heard that or something like that yeah, yeah i've heard that as well <laughs> yeah yeah it's weird interesting yeah it's weird stuff i mean it kind of makes sense but yeah uh, it's you know well you said like you relate a lot of things to color do you have a specific example like your music is there a color or like something specific that you maybe see all the time yeah i mean like with songs because everything is uh like it's 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 weird because it it goes in great detail to the point where I sometimes couldn't I couldn't paint it or even uh, like it's the, like the more I know somebody and everything they say seems to has a color and it adds to maybe I guess their painting is the simplest way to, to put it it's like so people I know really well I just or somebody I just meet it's just they say you know uh somebody named Stacy S is red and T is yellow. And so I just sort of put like a color to the name and then everything they say, or we are a moment we had or whatever we, um, uh, it just becomes more and more intricate. So say my folks are just, it's, you know, I've known them for my whole life. So it's just this really intricate ornate sort of four dimensional thing. Uh, but say like a song, like tall tree, you started out kind of Brown because the, the G is Brown in my head. And then, the riff gets a bit blue and so every time i play it i still see that and then there's a certain the bridge is sort of white and blue it's like it's all it's so but i see that every time i play it in my head or whatever without visualizing it or thinking it, it's there it's really weird man and um it's awesome yeah it's it's awesome but you know it makes you really bad at math i've read which has <laughs> made me happy because i failed like trucker's math when i was in, <laughs> in my I, I remember getting a i got a 52 percent in math in grade 12 um, my parents took me up to switch la for celebration <laughs> that's that's how bad at math i was and it, it all makes sense now <laughs> but uh but and i was going to extra help like every lunch hour just to get that passing mark and i barely made it that's hilarious but, uh, yeah yeah i uh i remember seeing an article one time it was somebody with synesthesia and they were an artist and i think they painted a bunch of Radiohead songs, like they would listen to the song and paint what they saw, and it was pretty cool. fucking cool. That's cool. That's cool. Maybe I should try that sometime. I, mean, I always feel like it's 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 like it's so weird because there's some some things I couldn't. I don't think I could even paint. I can see them, but I couldn't use primary colors to do it. It's, it's so weird. It's 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 beyond uh, color sometimes, but it's still tones. It's very strange. No, I, I I understand. I've had some experiences that were beyond color. It's... yeah yeah it's a it's a spectrum that that i think um everybody has a, a little bit of you know and i, I think um some people have it very minimal <clears throat> and then other people have it way more extreme than i do 
but yeah, I think um, I think it's one also maybe one of those things that I think a lot of children have and grow out of as they mature or whatever. But uh, um, I don't know. It's sort of I've heard too that that children all have perfect pitch. This I don't know if this is a fact or not, but I think I've heard it a few times. Um, all children have perfect pitch. That's why you know children's choirs are always so beautiful because there's not no no wonky out of tune notes or whatever. And as you age and don't you know keep singing or whatever you lose um that your pitch so just people just start getting super wonky as they mm. grow older you know i think that would have happened to me because i had a bit of a wonky voice in high school and uh few, i was sort of few people told me that and they're like you should just get somebody to sing your songs you know and i was <laughs> like no uh so i just kept singing and singing and singing and singing and i just i kind of think i just kept it around while i was losing it so i think if i didn't keep singing i would probably have really bad pitch now and uh I still, I've every, I think every uh, time I'm singing live, I'm constantly correcting. Like I'm not like a supernatural singer. I'm always, I listen to recordings and I'm like, or live shows and I'm like, you can hear me like right. adjusting all the time. I think it's like a, real, a lot of mental adjustment. It's not just like singing, you know, I think that's going through puberty. I develop those, hone those skills to, you know, like stealth bombers aren't naturally able to fly there's all these computers that are correcting all the time I think right. that's what my voice is like I'm not a natural singer I really have to work at it it's funny you mentioned that hearing about kids having perfect pitch until a certain period in their life because I think I've heard the same thing and it's like the, the age seven sticks out to me as if like uh someone I, I know I read this somewhere that if you practice the pitch from like up until seven and continue to practice it from there, you can kind of keep it. And like you said, it's one of those things where if you build it to that point, you can keep it. But if you don't, you kind of lose that ability. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything else, like with, uh, I think a lot of like really great athletes are, are so great because they've, they were playing right through and their muscles developed, you know, for say for hockey or whatever, they just, you know, they, they're able to take, a year off playing hockey and they come right back and their bodies will, you know, they'll be able to play a full game probably. Yeah. Whereas say me, I'd be probably dead on the ice within, you know, two minutes of jumping <laughs> over the boards, but, but, uh, but it's the same thing with singing, you know, you, you know, use it or lose it kind of thing, but it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. You know? Yeah. Just one second. My fireplace fan is tinging. I don't know if you can hear that. No, no. It's got not a fan. It's like ting, 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 ting. You can't hear that. I've been dealing with a bathroom fan trying to do, I, I just replaced the motor in my bathroom fan and it's, I, I, yeah, it's getting it level to work smoothly. It's one day I got it working and then I wake up the next day and I can hear somebody going there and I'm like, ah, just like that one. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of stuff that's driving right. me nuts. <laughs> so you got a new album too. It's a live album from Burnside with love. What, uh, yeah. like, did you just, is that all like old songs? What, what is that album? Yeah, I wanted to do sort of like a collective sort of, you know, I've had like seven albums done in the last 20 years and I wanted to just do kind of like a bit of a best of that's not just like a playlist on Spotify. Um, so it was my manager's idea actually to do it uh, live and just to just to, to do it uh, well, you know, we got, uh, we recorded the, the sound, um, you know, pretty hi-fi and we had to have like nine cameras and a really great director joel stewart i met joel when i was in the guthrie's in 99 when they shot uh when um cmt sh the shot uh 
a documentary on my band back then, the Guthrie's. Uh, so uh, he came back, we haven't worked together in ages, which is great. So he, he directed it. Anyways, we wanted it to be a pretty high quality show. Kind of Austin City Limits meets Unplugged kind of thing. Kind of right. we shot it kind of 90s-y, which, which I really like. And um, and yeah, and uh, so 24 songs, some deep cuts, uh, most of them people know, uh, um, mixed with the deep cuts. And it's, yeah, it just, we uh, we did like a sort of a pay-per-view ticketed show. And um, the vinyl just came out a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was nice to, we, we filmed it two years ago um, and we were just sort of sitting on it. We didn't know what to do. We just wanted to do it. So we, we, we filmed it, kept it in the can and then COVID hit uh, whatever, a year and a half after. And, um, and then we were like, well, this might be a perfect time because everybody, everybody was sort of getting sick of the, um, you know, appreciative still, but I think a little bit sick of the living room, you know, one camera you know, here's my concert, which I was doing a lot of. Um, but I think people were sort of like, okay. So I, I felt lucky to have that Burnside show in the can because instead of one camera, there's nine cameras and, you know, professionally mixed and, you know, like a, like a real thing. So it was really, you know, really great timing for that. Um, and that was really special night when uh, it felt like I was playing a show. It was weird. I was like nervous, even though I didn't have to play a show that <laughs> night. It's pretty cool to even get those. I miss those feelings like show days, you know, yeah. so uh it was yeah it's pretty cool so it, yeah I, i'm proud of myself for getting you know an original new album done like dog city and then releasing the triple live album was great so i feel like you know trust me there was a lot of sweatpant netflix watching this year but i feel good about getting some stuff you know out and done <laughs> definitely so you've already done a quarantine album you got the live album so what's like what's on the go now are you just writing and waiting for things to open up or do you have a plan I'm uh, I've, I've been hell bent on not letting COVID like stop awesome things that need to need to happen. And I think um, I think music is an essential service. It's at the bottom of the, the list of essential service, but I think it services, but I think it is still an essential service. Um, and uh, that's why we fought hard to do our annual shore club show shows last year, which we do. We've been doing for uh, this to be the 16th uh anniversary of the first short club show anyways it's like a it's a real important gig for us um but we made it happen um uh album wise um uh i'm really ch- I, I have to go in quarantine nova scotia for 14 days before i do anything um i'm trying to figure out a way to do it safely where i'm like like i'm like bubble boy and my band can come and there's no way I could even be in the same room with them, but I can see them and we have the same, uh, same mix. Uh, and I can control the console, the same console that they can, if they want to. Um, so I'm trying to work out a way where I can be in quarantine and record a record with my band, you know, uh, because I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be coming back quite a bit this summer. So doing, I had to do two quarantines last year. It almost killed me. <laughs> um, it's really, it's a test, you know, Right. Um, so it would be nice to just, you know, do two weeks where I'm just working with my band every day. They go home, they come back and we're not even in the same, you know, there's no, I'd love to hug them, but, um, but right now I think that's still technically illegal and I want to be really <laughs> above board on it all. And I, you know, but if it's like two separate addresses, I'm like looking into duplexes, and like banging a, a wall out, you know, so I'm <laughs> technically two addresses, you know, 
uh, you know, um, totally want the Mounties to come and check it out and be like, look, you know, I'm living out. I want a bed in there and a sink and a pisser and then um, I'm good. Nobody's going to come close. So we're, we're trying to figure out how to do that right now. Um, because I want to, I want to get, uh, a record done soon just so that hopefully when things open up, I'll have some new music and try to get some new songs out there. Cause I've been, I mean, I got so many songs and um, if I don't start releasing them, it's going to start feeling pretty like, okay, man, you know, so, so that's the plan. Yeah. It's just get a record done with the guys. How did the original 14 day quarantine, like you did one back in August, I think I remember you posting about that. You came back and had to quarantine 14 days and you were talking about just kind of, writing music and taking that time to something about being on sacred land or something like that. Yeah, I was, um, I was, uh, in this beautiful little spot, uh, just, just inland a bit in Chester. Um, it was this teeny little house from like 19, 1907. It was really old house. And, and I, I went there cause it had a piano and it was very, it was very strange because, I had a piano. I rented a, a like a, pretty much a full little studio from Long McQuaid because I was like, "Oh man, this is great! I got two weeks to just write and record. Nobody's gonna bug me. I could just..." Uh, and then I got in there, set everything up, and I was just like, "I just this weird depression comes over you when you." I was uh, it was a beautiful spot, and it, it wasn't until the last four days when it all opened up, and I was like, because I knew there was an end to it, and I was like, you know. Um, I started writing. I, I I wrote two keepers, which is good. So it all wasn't all wasn't uh, all was not lost. But uh, it was very strange because so I had all the hours in the day with all the gear sitting there. I just it was just sort of this deep, you know. I could get out of bed and, and do things, and I was in a fairly decent mood. But there's something super dormant when it came to the creativity thing. Because I felt I felt sort of um, uh, I think trapped and uh, just sort Mental of claustrophobia. Trapped. The mental claustrophobia and just like I'm sure like animals at zoos feel I think that that light that's not in their eyes you know because they're in a cage I think I felt like I wasn't allowed to see my home province and I really took it personally and just yeah. I was so pissed at COVID for taking that from me <clears throat> that I was just uh I was depressed on that I was I felt that I was in, in, in caged or encased in this this little spot um and that was yeah so it was but the second time through doing it, I had a, a different place um, uh, on the La Have, and um, it was more wide open and there was boats going by. I could see cars driving. So it was something I didn't feel a trap there because I was I could go down to the water every night and I would see fish jumping and birds. And there was a little more. Um, uh, I don't know. I just peripheral movement or something. So uh, I was just really productive there. And Lowell Campbell from Winter Sleep, he's one of my yeah. best buds. He was also quarantining in Nova Scotia at the time. So it was really creative for he and I because he would send me some drums or a song and I'd put something on it um, and vice versa. I'd have the song and it would be great to have one of the world's best drummers just be like, check this out. And you get this like great drum track, you know. Um, so it was and we were both feeling the same. So we were both, you know poured out of our gourd so it was really productive so both were very different vibes one was in the um one was in the spring sorry the summer and the, the other was in the fall and that was when that hurricane there was a hurricane that mm. kind of came through it was the first night i was there um the second one um and i did like a 
a live stream show, which was nice. It makes you feel less alone, that, that, that sort of stuff. So, it, yeah, again, I learned a lot about myself with all that time alone, for sure, you know. But I hard, do it again, and I will. If, yeah, exactly, hard not to. You don't want to be learning about <laughs> yourself. You just are forced to, you know. But I, uh, I, um, I would do it again if I have to, and there's a good chance I will. Like, I don't know if I can, we can get away with doing this quarantine album if we do it above board. I really want to try. Um, because I think I need to make an album. I think there's some, some of my musical fam would like to hear some music and hopefully it'll make them feel better. And that's my main reason for doing it is the medicinal quality of it all for me and hopefully anybody who listens and likes it. And I think it's important. So there's a way to kind of expedite the process of not having to sit and twirl my, twiddle my thumbs for two weeks and then record if I can just, you know, it's it's a big two weeks if I can get music out when things start opening up a bit this fall or winter would be great. So, anyways, yeah, uh, that's that's my that's my plan. But I, I will quarantine for a month if I have to to get another record done. I'm willing to, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was talking to my friend Ashley Kinney today, and we were I was just mentioned that I was talking to you later on in the day, and she she told me a story about um, she told me that rob ford stole your seat at a buffalo bills game one time <laughs> yeah. she, she wanted me to ask you about that like apparently you have season tickets for the bills and you just showed up and rob ford was in your seat yeah i don't have seasons i didn't i don't have seasons passes but i i i we were touring a lot it was a really busy time i think coyote just came out or was out it was like it was a really good year for me um and we were in toronto and i had the night off and i'm a big bills fan and um, always have been ever since I was a kid. And um, I bought like the, I, I splurged on like the VIP ticket where you get like a beer and like a pretzel and like a good seat. <laughs> um, and I was just by myself, bought a Bill's hat. Uh, and I, um, yeah, I just went to, I just went to sit down and there were these, uh, you know, the ushers. It was like, uh, yeah, here, let's go, man. Or whatever. Okay, cool. So we, we went down and, and this was like in the height of like the crack era, you know, or like the, the crack scandal era. Right. And, um, uh, and the usher was like, the young dude, he was like, I don't tell you, man, but he's like mayor Ford's in your, in your seat. And I was like, I was like, Oh, what? that's crazy. Like, what are the chances of that? And, uh, and he's like, you cool to sit a few rows back. And I was like, totally, man. And I didn't care at all. Like I, there's like, it was the whole section was open. Right. I just thought it was kind of funny, you know, like what are the chances in, in the sky dome <laughs> right? <laughs> to be in. Um, and then and I just sent that, I sent a tweet out just cause I thought it was funny and it was whatever. It's just a funny thing to tweet. Cause it was just, I thought it would get this for my buds get, it's a good gag or whatever. Right. Um, and, uh, and then it just, it was a really life changing evening because um, I, uh, yeah, there's pap paparazzi all around me within within like like probably seven minutes of putting the tweet out. <laughs> I had full paparazzi going taking pictures of him and me, and like they're trying to get me to do stuff. Like, oh, and I was God. like, no, man, I'm just trying to watch the game. Like, what? And uh, and the reporters were sitting down next to me and like with the microphone, and and I was like, oh, what just happened? <laughs> and then uh, my publicist, um, I. I I was like, I couldn't watch the game. I was like, cause I was getting swarmed with, and, um, and then I, uh, 
I decided to leave because I was so uncomfortable. And uh, I, they followed me. They followed me out of the place and they were like wanting to interview me or whatever. And I had to start running. I was like <laughs> me and my leather jacket, my bills. <laughs> it was just like, I was just goosing it down blue Jay way. And uh, <laughs> I ducked into, I ducked into, I forget what bar it was. One of those scummy, like, like beaver or moose, one of those bars or whatever uh, along, I don't know, on street or one of those anyways. And I just kind of hid and had a beer and, my phone was just blowing up like, and my, um, my publicist Julie called me and she's like, uh, LA times just retweeted you. New York times just wrote like, this was all within probably an hour of it happening. And, and she's like, do, you know, do you want to run with this or do you want to just chill out? And I was like, I don't want to be known just to be <laughs> that guy or whatever. And I don't know, it would have been interesting. I told her, I said, no, I said, I don't want to do anymore. I don't, I just want to, I want my music to do my talking for me. I don't want to, you know, and she's, she's the best. And she was like, totally get it. Um, but um, it's interesting. I really could have really ran with it way more than I did. And uh, I just not that kind of person. I don't really, I mean, it's, I got probably $3 million worth of publicity within an hour, like internationally. Um, uh, it was crazy you know <laughs> and, and that was it and everybody had a good chuckle over it for a while he he tweeted me back and he's like sorry man blah 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 everybody's like some there's his fans of his that were like trolling me going like what are you doing man like just a seat and us you know but like i said there's tons of seats and i i didn't care at all i just wanted yeah. to watch my bills man so uh so yeah it, uh, it finally kind of petered out and i could be a musician again but uh yeah yeah it was funny what a ridiculous that's thing. the story <laughs> yeah that's the story I, I i work i work you know since i was whatever 14 every day on songs and learning my craft until i'm what i guess i was about 35 or whatever so 20 years playing in front of nobody at bars every night for 10 years uh, in a van driving through snowstorms eating beef jerky for five years after that uh and then I, you know, I, I'd one tweet about the mayor and then everybody wants to talk to me, you know, it's so like, you know, in the, in the age of, and that was kind of the dawn of social media, really, as, as far as you could see how, how ridiculous, something that ridiculous can get that much attention. And it's sort of like, okay, it was sort of, yeah. it was kind of a neat reset. It's like, this is okay. I'm going to go this way, you know, when a lot of people just are still every day trying to go this way with instant hits and likes and everything i'm like no right. no it's a slow burn man you gotta <laughs> earn it you know you gotta eat some you know faux jerky or or, or beef jerky whatever your jerky choice is you gotta <laughs> yeah. kind of eat that for a while <laughs> yeah and, you know so uh yeah it was really quite quite weird that's the epitome of society it's just like you said your craft or viral fame yeah totally and uh, I mean, the, the amount of noise right now, it's just insane. So to me, there's just, I mean, there's no choice. You know, I ham it up online. Uh, but it's just because I like doing it. I think it's funny. And I, I, you know, and I have got a really great, great group of followers that I have a good relationship with. And, and a lot of them have been coming on my show since 2003. You know, it's like really, it's, it's a really big thing in my life. If I lost them, I would feel really empty. Like it's very, it's a very, it's a real family affair. So, um, 
but there's this, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, I've been with them long enough where I don't lose them in the noise at all. You know, I've had a few trolls here and there, but I've been very lucky really with that. But it's um, in this day and age, I feel so lucky that we put all those miles in really doing it the, the hard way and the right way. Like it's, it's so relieved, you know, 41. Um, and uh, I know I could play a show anywhere in Canada and a lot of people would come out and I would probably know a lot of them and we'd have a great time, you know, and it's, yeah. uh, you know, and it's and that, that you, you can't just get that. You can get that. You can get that. You can get that once, but you wait five years and go and again, those people are going to be, they're not coming back out to a show. You know, it's like what, what we've worked for and a, a lot of Canadian bands over the years have is, uh, is that they can go take a break for five years and come back and everybody's right there and even louder and more excited, you know, you can't buy that at all. It's so valuable and so special, you know? Yeah, definitely. The true fans. She also yeah. mentioned, she was like, it's the ultimate act of Canadian kindness that you didn't make a fuss over him stealing your seat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, an opportunist, maybe somewhat smarter than me uh would have probably got somebody to film them kicking him out and i would <laughs> that would have just blown the fuck up you know but yeah i'm very i'm pretty uh i don't know anyways i would i just there's no way i would have done that <laughs> you know it's not me yeah <laughs> when there's lots of seats around it's like okay come on you know
So I'm going to show you a picture. I'm going to see if you remember this. If you can see it. I don't know if you can see it. I can't see Let me it. See. It's probably, it looks too white, like too blown out. Is it a cat? Oh, it's my hat. Recognize yeah, that? Yeah. I do. Yeah, that's my 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 uh my old western feathered. Yeah. You remember losing my Whalen. Do you have it? My friend has it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was long gone, man. So, my friend Ashley that I just mentioned, Ashley Kinney, she's in Calgary and she said she got it at the Stampede. Yeah, we played so, I uh I was thinking about that show when I was running this morning cuz I jumped off a massive hay bale and I I <laughs> I janked up my uh, my Achilles tendon, and I I, uh, I feel it every time I run hills. And I thought about that show; still worth jumping off the hay bale. But uh, yeah, I, I, that's right. I haven't seen it since then. Well, she that's great. A, a stagehand handed it to her after the show, and so I was talking. Oh, to her it was she... nice of him to hand it to her, not me. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> nice it's guy, not a drumstick. <laughs> Very yeah, so... few cowboy hats fit my big pumpkin. That's good. She has it. She said, if you want it, she'll send it back to you. Okay. Well, I, I feel bad. I mean, it's hers now. She got it. You know, it's okay. It's hers now. It's all right. Maybe, maybe next time through Calgary, I can just wear it for the show. She can lease it out to me or something. But nice. the thing is, if I take it back, I'm just going to lose it again. Of course. So it's probably best just keep it in the family and you know, <laughs> she won't lose it. I will. <laughs> um, so she also wanted to know what it was like to share the stage with Willie Nelson at the uh, Outlaw Music Fest. That was such a great uh, opportunity. Um, my friend Jiggs at uh, Eric at Live Nation, uh, he really threw me a bone and gave me that gig. And, and uh, it was great. I didn't get to meet Willie, but uh, just being on that bill, I mean, it's one of the most, like it's the most, one of the most sought after, you know, tours going. It's Willie Nelson's, you know, uh, baby right so um it was amazing just getting to see um i, I mean I've, I've gotten to play that amphitheater a few times uh but this was like you know it was so surreal it was like you knowing that willie nelson was going to pull up and play and and when we were over we watched me and a bunch of good old friends and, and new friends were all up on the grass watching willie play and it was like it was just a just a real you know dream come true to say that you know you were on the bill with willie nelson uh, it was awesome, man. Yeah. yeah such a legend. Are, those moments are, you know, yeah, especially through, yeah, such a legend. Um, especially through uh, like the whole, this whole COVID year, like thinking that some of the things I've gotten to do, it's like, did that like really happen? Like sometimes you're going, 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 and you really you appreciate them. And it's like, I always really try to stop and smell the roses. But when you have a year off of the global pandemic and you, your whole sort of all your past sort of flashes before you, it's like, all those moments that I've had, it's like extra grateful for. And I can't even, I have a hard time fathoming that they even happened, you know, like it's just, you know, it's, it's all pretty crazy, you know? Yeah. I saw him back in 2014 in Virginia and it's, it was just a, he's one of those guys that when he takes the stage, you're not just kind of seeing him, you're just kind of seeing history. And I've had that yeah. experience with a few bands, like, like seeing Rush and uh, Tom Petty and like some yeah. of those real important names to me growing up that I yeah. actually got to see later in their career, not 
sort of in the prime, but to see them just in general was just a kind of a surreal experience. And he was one of those, one of those guys just to see him command the stage at his age and that old beat up guitar and just the whole, the whole show was just a, a great experience. It was really cool. I know. I mean, you listen to his albums and I've heard some live stuff, but until you see Willie Nelson live, like he's the weirdest guitar player of all time. Yeah. Like his conviction and zero fucks given, it just like winding out the weirdest stuff. Like so it's, it, it works. It sounds so great, but I was like, this guy is just out to lunch. Like what's he thinking? But it all, it just, it, it it's just his conviction and it's just his zero, like no holds barred. Like I'm just feeling this and it's just, it's so uh i don't know it's endearing and it's like you, you just uh it's uh it's it's intense but also laid back it's just such a he's a real alien that guy man like it's, yeah it's, it was it was neat to finally get to see him i'd never seen him before before that night so it's great to see him he's got this sort of flow state like he's been doing it for so long i mean it's it's probably yeah, like yeah. breathing and speaking to him on stage like he doesn't have to think about shit when he's up there he just does it totally Totally, man. Yeah. Cool. So many shows. I mean, like thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah. Crazy. And that's yeah. part of it too. Like to see somebody, you can tell they're not thinking about what they're doing. They're just doing it. It's yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's hard for me to explain, but it. Like, yeah, no, I, I get it. You said you don't it have to. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just those people where it's just an extension and it's like, they have no choice but to do it because if they stop, yeah. they would die, you know? So you're yeah. witnessing what's keeping them alive. Right? <laughs> yeah. It'll be oh. 200 years old doing the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally, man. I think like, like that's why him and Gordon Lightfoot could be on the road that long, treat themselves, their bodies like shit for so long because they get that, uh, that adrenaline and endorphin and oxytocin hits every night of their lives. Same with Dylan. That that's got to keep you alive. That stuff. That's got to keep some youth in there and some like will to live. And like, I think it's really um, Keith Richards. Those guys, Keith. Yeah, they're all, <laughs> you know, they're all just as gnarly looking now, and <laughs> and, uh, and they're all just they're just still as good. You know, it's just they haven't stopped. Their bodies just age, but they just that 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 special yeah. feeling you get. I mean, it's better than any drug out there, you know, and I think that's why they're just they're still after it. Yeah. And have you seen a picture of Bob Weir in the last few years? Yeah. Like he's jacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. How hard it's how hard it would be to get jacked at that age. You know? Of course. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So impressive. <laughs> so it's definitely a testament to just doing what you love and like, it's got to show that stress and things are what really age you. And like happiness is the, is the real driving force to like a life well lived and just health and everything like that. I, I think I couldn't agree more, man. I, um, I think of that all the time. It's, uh, and, and, and stress is so, it's so obvious that it's what, it's one of the, the, the main killers, probably the biggest killer. Cause I think, you know, it's, it's stress works on such just the deepest uh, of level as whatever you know what you know when you hear that great song with the windows down and then and that i don't know the uh endorphins start kicking in i think stress works as deep as that if not deeper and more secretive and it's wily and it's like it's stealthy and 
it causes all sorts of strange things and just kickstarts anxiety and depression and cuts down happiness and it makes you unsure and makes you question everything and paranoia and it's it's just such and we all have it and we all get it and it's like it, it's just all these 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 afflictions come when that that you know they don't need to that bubble up in the weirdest ways ever that we don't even know are caused by stress and, and in turn, you let your guard down. And I think that's when your body sort of lets worse things in and and, uh, and then it snowballs and it's it's just, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And um, and uh, I think you're right. Cause I, I mean, I get stressed about stuff and then I don't even realize I'm stressed until I take a few deep breaths. And I was like, holy shit, I was just really stressed about that or feeling like tense, you know, clenching my jaws or, you know, it sneaks up so fast and, uh, and then also know the other side of that where it's like a, it's the best crowd ever. And it's just, just glee and music is, or, or a, a killer song that comes on the radio, right. When I'm in the right mood, you know, all those great feelings. So it's just, we all, we all have those spectrums and it's just trying to stay as much as you can on that. And it's so easy to say, yeah, just stay in that happy zone. Uh, because especially the older you get, you know, yeah, it, all this, this, the life just pulls you, the stress and life on mm. kind of always constantly pulling you away from that. So it's my job to try to keep us all, or not us all, but myself and the people that like my music kind of closer to that good side or whatever. And I feel like that's a good, you know, it's sort of my mission statement or it's like my job, you know, it's like I got to get out of bed because I got to write some music that might make me feel better and hopefully some other people and keep them away from that super duper dark. <clears throat> murmuring you know gnarly force that is stress you know and um but uh you know the <clears throat> the older i get the more music is more mysterious to me and it's it's uh, medicinal healing powers it's so i find it so weird it's just theory some probably dude named it music one time and it kind of caught on or you know from oh it's reviews or whatever but that was just some dude. It's not, it doesn't even need a name. It's just this thing, right? It's like, uh, you know, we named, somebody named Oxygen Oxygen, but it's just this stuff we breathe and they kind of broke it down. But music is even more mysterious than that. They don't even know. You couldn't break it down into anything on the periodic table. It's like, it's one of the most mysterious things on earth, music, you know? So the different vibrations. Uh, and it, it affects everybody, like not just people that are brought up in the, these societies, but like, I think they've even studied the, the effects on like isolated tribes and things like that. And it's like music has been so ingrained in our, like our evolution and everything, like from prehistoric times, there's always been some type of music and it's, it's ingrained in our DNA. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I find one of the most baffling things that I've ever discovered. Uh, I used to live in New York city and I used to take this train up to the uh, natural history uh, museum um, museum of natural history. Sorry. And you go up to, I think it's the third floor or whatever. And I used to go when it wasn't busy at all, I'd just be me in there and, and you go from continent to continent and sort of, and from the beginning of, of mm. time and evolution, it's really neat. But um as far as they have, they have musical instrument sections here in, in each from each continent. And it's insane how without there's no internet or, or any way to, or, or mail or honing pigeons or whatever, back then it was just uh, the evolution of humankind happened at the same time without communication. A lot of the instruments and drums and masks and things were evolving 
at the same time on opposite sides of the, the world without communicating. You know, they just wanted to bang on stuff and make rhythms because it made them feel. And then they came into like tones and musical notes and strings and things and medieval and blah, 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 blah. Um, but it all happened, you know, uh, simultaneously, you know, from all the way through. It was just, just we, it just came from um, kind of out of thin air or just the, the, the probably, a, probably a heartbeat, you know, probably the familiarity of your mother's heartbeat. I and mean, it's like, everybody gets it. It's a big drum, it's a drum beat, I get it. And uh, what's really, it's, it, I find it just I'm flabbergasted by the fact that it's, it all happened at the same pace around the world, you know, and, uh, and you, you see it before your eyes there in glass cases. It's just like, well, that drum looks like that drum and that happened, they made them at the same time, <laughs> like without being in contact, you know? So, I mean, every, all point, all, all signs point to awesome when it comes to music, you know, it's always been awesome. It always will be awesome, you know? It's like, uh, and it always will be, nobody will ever be able to define it. Not one scientist in year 3000 is ever going to be able to like, that's what music is. <laughs> like, no way, you know? And that's why it's, it's so weird. I just, it's very humbling. I feel like, you know, it's weird to do it for a living. And I, you know, I do it for a living uh, just to say, yeah, this is my job or whatever, but it's much more than that for me, you know? And I dwell, I, I don't dwell on it. I, I, uh, I often uh, ponder about how mysterious it is and, you know, and then back to shows, it's like, and then that connection, it's, it's the, the music that forms it, that uh, familiarity of that feeling. That's what the, that's why the crowds, that's why we go to shows as an audience. And that's what the musician brings. And is this, is that, that, that uh, mutual ground of, of mysterious awesomeness and, and love and power and everything you know so i mean i think to move uh move along into today's times i think that's why a lot of people i think are like oh music's still gonna be the same again i think it's gonna be better i mean it's gonna be different shows are gonna be different but i think we're gonna i think any music lover who's who goes to shows a lot or doesn't even and they're going to hear like a loud band and being with people and like connecting like that it's going to be a whole new level of like there's going to be gratitude involved this time and like this could go away tomorrow and like wow this is a moment so i'm really hopeful that uh the people are gonna like yeah you might get cooties but there's a vaccination for it <laughs> uh I think I'm going to take my chances and go see a rock show or a, or a hip hop show or whatever. And, and I need to feel that, you know, and uh, reflect and, and all that important stuff that we're all missing right now. It's, we're all obviously missing it because we're all going bananas, you know? Yep. Definitely bananas. <laughs> it's uh, like, I love talking to you about like how passionate you are about music and just how much it really is your whole life. And I, what, what sparked that? Like, do you remember, like, was it a concert you went to when you were young? Was it something you saw? Like what, when did you make that switch of like, Oh, this is, this is it. This is what I want my whole life to be about. I think like, uh, it was weird. I was just playing guitar downstairs and, and, uh, just like it hit a minor chord. This is like a major at a minor chord. And it just really made me feel a lot. Two chords that I always play but the certain guitar and amp, but mostly just the way the chords played or something. And then the mood I was in, I was like, I still feel exactly 
the same feeling I did when I was 14 with, you know, uh, the first time I played probably maybe those two chords or, or recorded on my four track. Something happened when I picked up a guitar and I could, I could hear emotion within something that wasn't a human, like uh, the way strings ring out from like, a, say an A to an F sharp minor or something or a C to an E minor or whatever. Like there's just, it's just like this, uh, it's like a whole movie plays out in my head when I hear that two chords change. And that's when it really happened when I could control those feelings and, and anytime I get them back, and I could pick up a guitar and, and get it back anytime I wanted. So thus I would, didn't put a guitar down and I still haven't, you know, I play a guitar every day just cause I get a little fix of those feelings. And then every now and again, you're like, boom, you hit like this, like the melody over those chords that adds more feeling. And then boom, you get words that like work over it. And then all of a sudden you have a song and then boom, you're on stage and these people really like it and they sing it back. And then it's like, right and then if so the thing the first time i i was playing like an open mic and there's some people that knew the song for the first time singing singing with me a song that i wrote and it was sort of like next level of like oh this is really this is really crazy and, and interesting and, and i'm good at it because i wasn't really good in school and wasn't i'm from cool harbor which is the home of hockey and i never played hockey and i was wasn't very you know i just wanted to play my guitar so just to have a feeling of importance uh, and, and a place, you know, I was the guy, the Wrigley's guy, Wrigley's or the Juicy Fruit guy uh, at the party all through high school with the guitar. I'd bring it everywhere with me. And uh, that was sort of it. I was, but it was just that being able to be the creator of feeling or, or, uh, or a, a, a painting or a movie or in my mind, a feeling or whatever that, that to me was like, this is insane and it was really addicting and and uh it was you know my i have like you know attention issues and you know we all have our afflictions that i think work in, in a really good way for what you do so for me i was bad at math but i i could really pay attention to writing a song i would i would start in the morning and i didn't even get up to to piss all day i would just write the song you know and uh it, it was, it, it worked for me on that level as well. You know, I thought I was really slow in school and affected my confidence and stuff. Cause I wasn't very, I couldn't pay attention. And, but then I found like, you know, hyperactive focus was really good for me and just writing songs and in the studio, it's like my superpower now where I, once when I was in high school, it was really uh, working against me, you know? So uh, I think all of those things combined really kind of made me sort of gave me my trajectory to, to doing it full time and, and being able to be like, yeah, I don't care. Let's go through the snowstorm. I got to play the show. You know, I just like to, 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 to do what I think a lot of people might not want to do. It's just no choice, you know, got to play the show tonight or got to go in the studio or we're not going home. We have to finish that part or whatever. All that stuff incrementally adds up to just a life of music, I think. Mm. And did you ever finish uh, <clears throat> when angels make contact, like the film? No, we shot a bunch of stuff, and then I realized that movies were way harder than albums. <laughs> uh, so no, and I I, I like the idea of I, the album was more mysterious and everything. I, I kind of was like, no, let's just chill out, man. This is kind of cool, and we did the, you know, the teaser and the and the the tour, and I, I think I'd really like to try to do that tour again someday, like do just tour that album. Hmm. Um, 
but um but yeah no it was sort of I'm, i have a hard time just working on something for a long time i like to bang it out and then like what's next you know right yeah movies aren't my thing i just you know they take take years to do one movie so mm. that's so, a wicked no. concept album though thanks thanks yeah I, I, I'm, I'm really proud of that one you know I was, I was young when we made it and i just i didn't want to be pigeonholed this what i you know just sort of like country rocker guy i wanted to get weird and, and tim jim baker who produced it with me he was really a great influence on me in different genres and things and it was a really you know i was sleeping in my car outside the studio the whole time or in the studio wherever it was a real you know it was uh it was a real ordeal that album we really lived and breathed it yeah so i appreciate you saying that man it's still got a couple staples like that out I revisit all the time. Uh Midnight Midnight is the time and Midnight is the time. Under my senses are two of my favorites from that album, just off the top of my head. I but I love I love that album. Thanks, man. Those are those are the two that like you know, they're they're the deeper cuts off of there. So it's nice mm -hmm. to hear you say that. But yeah, it was <laughs> it was sort of fun to be in a really great studio like the Sonic Temple and have a bit of time in there. And, and the, Darren Vanekirk, he's like such a killer engineer. He engineered a lot of, a lot of those albums and he's, uh, we were super close and, and uh, we'd go super late and just experimenting like that. It was the first time I got to do that where it's not just like some shitty demo. It's like, you're in a really great studio and these, these are sounding good. And, and Darren was super quick at editing and, and whatever. And Tim and I were just the weirdos up there making sounds. And, and it was just super, super creative and 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 uh and fun to do that record because we 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 were like okay this needs a this needs a kind of an overture song or this needs a, a slow jam or this needs this you know we've got to fill in the hole so we kind of knew what it we needed so we weren't we weren't really sitting around scratching our heads very much we were just like you know next let's do this or whatever it was yeah it was great so, yeah so fun yeah but i I just wanted to bring that up because I, whenever I, whenever I think of you, that's kind of the album that I think of. Actually, just I, like I said, I love it. I, I could babble about it all day, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Um, you mentioned there was a few jogging pants days with Netflix <laughs> over the quarantine. Any uh, any shows that you'd recommend watching, or anything you liked over the over the break? Yeah, the the trick is uh, I, I'm glad I came up with this idea because it was really helpful when I, with the first lockdown uh, I went I hadn't seen I didn't watch I'd never seen The Sopranos and I didn't tell mm -hmm. I never said that out loud to anybody because everybody's <laughs> like what um, when I did start watching them I always tell people and they're like oh man you're in for a treat kind of thing so I watched I just power watched Sopranos um, yeah I've seen everything I think. Um, but what I'm really into right now, and I, I think it's a real comfort zone for me because it's always on, like when I'm touring, it's always on in the hotel and I love it, is uh, Murdoch Mysteries. I Classic. love, it's so good, man. I'm, I'm on season eight right now. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I've been watching it all for the last probably two months. Every night before I go to bed, it's like Murdoch, 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 Crabtree, you know, every, like it's so good and it's so awesome. Like, it's so ridiculous sometimes like you know Murdoch like invent the internet one night in like <laughs> 1904 or like he invented like the, like the the slippery curling shoe the other night <laughs> I was like yeah it's my boy Murdoch curling shoe and I, I I I get really into it like I don't laugh at it I'm like yeah man the boys are Fuck gonna yeah. do something yeah boom you know <clears throat> every, you know it's just everything you know 
I think I think uh, Crabtree invented <laughs> pizza. You know, it's I mean, it's, it's awesome, man. So yeah, that's sort disbelief. of my room. Yeah, yeah, it's so ridiculous, and I just I I watch it so much that I feel like they're my family. You know, you know, Chief Brackenreed, Chief Inspector Brackenreed is like he cracks me up so much. He says bloody hell eight times an episode. It's just like it's so great. The cast is so likable, and it's just like safe. And it's like, what adventure are we going on tonight, man? You know, because I sure as hell I'm not, I'm not going on an adventure tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's great, yeah. Yeah, mad props to uh, to Murdoch and the gang. That's hilarious. And <laughs> and uh, William Murdoch is uh, his character is from Nova Scotia too. He's a East Coaster. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And Bracken, I uh, know uh, Crabtree's uh, Newfoundlander too. So interesting. Yeah, it's nice, nice. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it. That's hilarious. So any plans, like right now, I know everything's still uncertain, but do you have any tour plans or anything like that that you're working on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised more musicians in Canada at least aren't. Um, my bud Benno uh, from Colorado, he, he went to East Coast, he went to the East Coast um, this fall and went and took advantage of the bubble being open on a bunch of great little venues, uh, doing a few night, a few night, or a few night stands. Um, uh, taking advantage of the fact there's this you know safe place to go and play and um, do your thing, but nobody except him did it. Um, I'm looking forward to going back to the East Coast this summer, and um, we're going to be doing the Shore Club again, God willing, you know, if things stay open and safe for sure. Um, but yeah, we usually put some shows around that and just do a little maritime rip, which is going to be awesome, and just try to play as many shows as we can with the, the, the safe amount of people and do a few night stints here. And, and, uh, and uh, I think from there, hopefully within the next year, things will start creeping open a bit, and, you know, and if I have to do, you know, whatever, I don't care. I'll, I just, I'll, if, 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 Anything. if it's a hundred seat place and 400 people want to come to the shows, I'll do four nights. If the, if the venue will have us, like I'm, I'm down to just, get in front of people and play music you know so that's the plan so it's just i mean we're obviously at the mercy of this weird garbage 19 or whatever but once it's uh once it's uh, opened up you know i'm, I'm cool I, i'm expecting it to be a gradual yeah. you know opening back into some kind of some semblance of uh, of reality and normalcy hopefully some outdoor things can happen now that there's like, yeah with, with the vaccines and a little bit more knowledge and preparation hopefully totally yeah exactly that's the thing i think when we when we yeah i think when sort of like the first half of these the vaccinations get out it'll be there's this omnipresent sort of uh concern for the elderly and compromised and and um and i think once they're covered and safe that's gonna i think that alone will help with a lot of just uh a little bit, a little bit of the weight off. And then I think, you know, it'll be good for mental health. And then from then on, it'll be gradually, uh, God willing or whatever, it'll, uh, it'll all start opening up. But I think, you know, the outdoor thing will happen a bit when I think that the people in, in, in any kind of danger from this thing, you know, uh, statistically in danger, you know, will be covered. I think that's going to be, that's going to really kick a few doors open. Yeah. I hope, you know. Fuck man, I hope so uh yeah like everybody does really it's it goes yeah. without saying at this point and has for far too long so yeah. i hope 
you get a chance to tour for your sake and for my sake. And I hope I get to see you in the near future. Yes, for sure, man. Yeah. Come back and have a beer for sure. Uh, absolutely. Thanks a lot yeah. for doing this. No problem, man. I really enjoyed the talk, man. Yeah, it was great. Great hang. Yeah. yeah thank you very nice. much. And uh, sweat, yeah, man. see you soon. Yeah, we'll see you down that old dusty trail, as they say. <laughs> dusty trail. <laughs> Take care, brother. Hey guys, if you're still here listening and you haven't done so already, you might as well take a minute and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All these links can be found at liveinthedream506.com. Thank you for your support and keep dreaming.